Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. As we come to Matthew chapter 12, let me remind you, Matthew has, at this time, chapters 11 to 13, he's collected a group of stories about how people are responding to Jesus and his message. This is what he's doing. Now, what we learn, very much like today, the responses, well, it's a mixed bag of responses, if you will. You go, well, I'm not sure what you mean. Some of the stories that we've looked at as we go, um, they're positive. You People, uh, they hear the message of Jesus, they fall in love with him, they believe he's the Messiah, they're saved, and they actually follow him. Can I get a good amen? Because that's really the response we want. We want a positive, oh, here's Jesus. And, and that's kind of what you did. If you're here today and you go, well, yeah, it was a great, I mean, I realize that. But then some of the message, some of the stories we see are not positive, they're just neutral. They're neutral. You go, well, like what? Well, the story we talked about a few weeks ago with John the Baptist. John the Baptist was on fire for the Lord. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away. And then after about a year in prison, he's like, um, I'm not sure. Could you go ask him if he's the one? I'm kind of doubting here. And there's a little bit of neutral. We know that his brothers and sisters at that time were neutral. And so they, they actually just like, oh, okay, I'm not sure um, who he is until after the resurrection. Okay. Now, some of the stories in Matthew are actually negative. They're negative responses. Well, who would be negative? Believe it or not, Israel's leaders. Israel's leaders, they're entirely negative. The Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, they all reject Jesus together. As a matter of fact, in their so-called holy huddles, they think he's a false teacher and they actually believe that my Jesus is leading people astray. They think he's blasphemous and they and his exalted claims that he's making about himself. Her response? What's well, negative? Today's story is a negative response to Jesus. It's a negative. As the story goes, Matthew writes about Jesus casting out a demon from a man who was blind and mute. The Pharisees come running in and instead of praising the Messiah or just actually being happy that the guy can speak and see, that's not their case, that's not their point. They actually become super angry and accuse Jesus of working for Satan. It's a very negative story. And this is known as blasphemy. So what Jesus does, much like his character, he gives us three stories. And if you are negative, they're really hard to swallow. There are three stories if you have a hard heart. And Jesus is going to draw us, if you will, into these crucial moments that he's wanting us to make a decision, not a negative decision, but he wants us to make a positive decision 
And if you don't, the Lord reminds us that you might be actually at the point of no return. That's what Jesus says. Now, before we jump into our text in Matthew chapter 12, let me set the stage, if you will, with a story that kind of sums it up. You go, what's that? Well, I did some research and I started thinking, and I've always, always wanted to learn to fly. You guys know what I mean? I've always wanted to be a pilot. I was fascinated with flying and um, man, I just, I get excited and all that. Well, I've learned something that if you're in the cockpit, you're, you are now the, you are the pilot or the co-pilot in an airplane and just as it took off from the one way, right as you start barreling down, you would hear the co-pilot or the captain call out, V1. What does that mean? Well, it's a phrase that says, after he says V1, it's the point of no return. Okay, so you're, there you go, right? As the airplane accelerates towards the end of the runway, the pilot must decide if the plane is moving fast enough for a safe takeoff. They have to be fast enough. The speed must be determined pre-flight based upon several factors. What? Air pressure, temperature, speed of the wind, and the height of the aircraft. The pilot maintains hold of the throttle as the plane approaches something called V1 speed. And so the pilot will say, V1, at that point, he or she it can abort the takeoff. They can, oh, go, no, 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 we're not at V1. Stop, 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 stop. However, if the pilot yells, V1, the plane must take off. There's a point of no reaction. You have to take. You're going too fast that if you don't take off, you will crash at the end of the runway. You understand that. You don't have enough brakes to stop. You're drugged. Here we go. If he says V1, you know you're going up in the air. So you need to be prepared. And of course, throughout the ages, you've heard of how many crashes at the end of the runway when they didn't hit, they, they didn't hit V1 and still attempted to take off. They were at the point of no return. Now, here's the point. There are places, there's a place in our lives where we can reach that crucial moment. The place where there is no return. We're at V1 spiritually. So I had to stop and go, okay, Lord, if this is true spiritually, I need to ask a question. You go, well, Ben, what question is that? Well, I think it's a question that is all on our mind that sometimes we're afraid to ask. You go, well, what is it? Well, here's the question. Does God draw a line in the sand when it comes to sin? That is, can unbelievers rebel against God so grievously and reject his grace so persistently that ultimately they pass the point beyond which they can never be saved? That's a deep question, is it not? It appears, biblically, the answer is yes. You go, really? As a matter of fact, as we consider Matthew 12, verse 22 to 50, we're going to see that Jesus takes this very, very seriously. 
Now, what you need to understand about my Jesus is that he loves us so much, but he's very much a gentleman and he's not going to come into your life and he's not going to put and and, and hit you over the head with the Bible and, and he's not going to invade your life. We are part of that where we open up our heart and say yes to him. But there is a point when you go, no, 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 no. And you might get to the point where you can't be saved anymore. So there is a point. Here's how I've heard it said before. The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. You know what I'm talking about? The same sun that can melt a heart, a hard heart. <gasps> I need the Lord. Oh my goodness, I'm a sinner. Yes, Lord Jesus. If you continually hear the gospel and you continually hard your heart and you continue to say no, 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 it eventually will harden the heart. Now, if you're taking note, let me give you some things. Let me, let me, here's what we discover in just today's service. You go, what's that? Number one, here's what I want you to see. My Jesus says, he who is not with me is against me. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty tough statement. Jesus says, he who's not with me is against me. You go, no, 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 no. I'm not against the Lord. I'm not against God. No. No, this is what Jesus says. We're going to check that out. Number two, here's another hard pill to swallow. Jesus said, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. That freaks a lot of us out. Did I commit the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? I hope I did it, Lord. I'll explain it. I'll explain it. Here's another one. If you're an unbeliever, if you're an unbeliever, the Lord says every idle word that you speak, you'll have to give an account for. Why is it unbeliever? Well, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but if you're a believer, you're in Christ. And that's taken care of by the grace of God. Because we all have a lot of idle words that we just, um, I mean, some of the stuff we say. I don't want to stand before God and give an account for every idle word. (laughs) It's too many. He says this, guys. You can continue to take notes. An evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. He goes on to say this. The Ninevites. Do you remember the Ninevites? They're going to sit in judgment of the Pharisees. Could you imagine being a Pharisee and the Lord says, Hey, these, these wicked Ninevites who repented at the word of God are going to judge you. Whoa, time out, Jesus. Now we're, now we're going to fight. Now we're going to go to blows because that's some hard words you need to say. And then he says this. He says, our own works will not get you to heaven. You go, he's, he's going to say that? He's going to say that and I'll show you where. And then he says, last but not least, whoever does the will of my father in heaven, he says, is my family is my family. Some really tough sayings today. Now, I know it's December, what, 19th? We should have a Christmas message, but we're in the word of God. And we're continuing our verse by verse. So let's jump in. We've got a lot to cover. Verse 22, it says, Then one was brought to him, who was demon-possessed, blind and mute. And he healed him, so that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. 
And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Okay, before we jump into, before we get into this, we see that the response to Jesus is negative. And we have to unpack it. You go, why? Okay, the very first thing I want you to see is they brought a man, look at with me, that was demon-possessed. You go, Ben, yeah, I saw that. You go, but why is this important? Why do I want to make an emphasis on this? Here's why. Because you need to know that demons are real. You need to know that. You go, well, what, 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 why? What, what was that important? Because we have to realize that what the world is trying to do is it's trying to get us on, oh, here's supernatural this, and there's a ghost here, and we're ghost hunters there. Listen, they're all fallen angels from heaven known as demons. Here's what happened. A lot of them came, and they're, they're on the earth, and he took some even wicked ones, and he put them in the abyss. But they're all demons, You go, but okay, I don't understand why you're emphasizing this. Here's why. Listen, because many people today don't believe in demons. They don't believe. And and, and I understand because in our culture, they don't believe because they don't see very much demon possession here in in the United States. We don't see a lot of it. The news doesn't report it, or we just think, oh, well, they're, they're just... But, but what, quite honestly, guys, is the reason we don't is because our country was actually founded on the Word of God. And we have Bibles, and there's the light of it, but here's what I want to warn you. You ready? As our country grows darker, we may see more and more demon activity. Other countries around the world, you can see it. If we were to go on a mission trip, we could see that. We haven't seen much in our day. We've seen some. I've had some encounters. But as the country grows darker and darker and more evil, I think we're going to see that. You go, Ben, why would you point that out? Here's what I want to say. I want to challenge you, okay? You go, what's that mean? What if God is wanting to equip us to deal with them as we move forward? In our country. You go, whoa, 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 what do you mean? Well, here's what I'm asking you to do. Be ready and be prayed up. Be ready. We don't have to fear them. You understand that. But God wants to use us. But we don't see a whole lot of it now. We see some people, I mean, but what if? What if? The second thing we notice, not only was he demon-possessed, but here's what I want you to see. Jesus healed him. Jesus healed him so that he could see and he could speak. Could you imagine? Think about that for just a moment. How in awe and amazing and would we praise God if somebody we knew who was mute and blind and even demon-possessed was healed? What would we do? Wow, yes, God, this is amazing. What would be your reaction? Let me say this. Your reaction is to what God is doing is going to reveal more of what's in your heart than what you think. Come on, somebody. You go, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, here's the thing. I want you to, for a second to think, okay, how would I react? 
My, I, I, have, I know somebody who's this or I know somebody who's that. The Lord comes in. I mean, we're in a prayer meeting. The Holy Spirit falls and they're healed. They're healed. You know what? The reaction of the people. <gasps> could, could, <laughs> could this be the son of David? And they're excited. They're excited. Why? Because they're looking for their Messiah. They're look. Could this? Because that's what it means. The son of David is this. Could this be the anointed? Could this be the one that we've been reading about? Could this be the one we've been waiting for? You know what the problem is? This made the Pharisees angry. Their reaction was anger. And I, I, just, I sit there and, and I trip over this because, because when they heard, guess what they said? When they heard about the miracle, they came in and said, well, no wonder he casts out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. That's what they said. That's what they said. And I thought, why would you be angry when someone gets healed? Why would you be angry? I don't, I don't understand you see, their response, their response, guys, was, was negative. And I have to, for just a moment, to be honest with you, take a step back, look at my own heart, and go, what would I do? How would I respond? Would I cross my arms in, in doubt, going, well, I don't know if that's really God. Because we live in such a negative and cynical world? Or would I be like, oh man. You can see? Can you see me? Yeah, I can see. Yes. Would I really praise God? You realize, you realize, I should realize that every accomplishment, everything that we do is to the glory of God. He, He allows us. Tomorrow morning when you get up and you go to work and you do your job well, that's God. That's God. But I was wondering, and I don't know, maybe you wonder this, why were the Pharisees so negative? Why was there such a negative response? Let me, let me give you three things that I think. Number one, pride. Don't you think pride? You realize that the, the Pharisees wanted to be the Messiah, okay? They wanted to rule the people. They wanted the people to go after them. You can't go with Jesus. You can't go with Jesus. Me. It's pride. It's pride. They were angry. They were angry. Guys, they chose, check this out. They chose to give Satan credit instead of Jesus. How much more do you go, I don't know. But they didn't. They went negative. They said, oh, wow, that, has to be from, that must be from Satan. That must be from Satan. Why are you so angry? I'll tell you why. Because they were hard-hearted. They were hard-hearted. Here's why. And I want you to see this, okay? I want you to see this with all of your heart, please. The Pharisees, they were the religious leaders of the day. And what jumped out at, at, the, at the pages of Scripture right here for you and me 
is that I believe it's possible to know a lot about Jesus and not know Jesus. That's what they, they knew all about Old Testament. They knew everything. They could, they could probably, man, listen, if you were going to play Bible trivia against a Pharisee, you would get smoked. You understand, they knew the word of God, but they didn't know Jesus. And of course, I think of, I think of Judas Iscariot. He walked and knew a lot about Jesus. He could probably tell us things about Jesus that weren't written in the book. But he didn't know him. He didn't know him. I believe it's possible to know the word of God, quote the word of God, and not know the author of the word of God. And that's where we have to check our own hearts. God, I want to know you. I want to know you. See the Pharisees. And I think that's the same thing that happens today, don't you? You guys are doing a great job. You'll go out. You'll share, you'll share your life. You'll share your faith. I need to tell you about Jesus. And the people that you're saying, um, pride will keep them from coming to Jesus. They're going, no, 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 that's good for you. And I'll tell you what pride was for me many years ago. It was pride in my own religion. Okay, we were brought up religious and we were not going to change for Jesus or anybody else. And so pride kept me from coming to know the Lord until his love broke through. But then there's other people who you share and they get angry, don't they? And I wonder why they're angry. And, I, and most of the time, let me just say this. Something happened to them when they were little. Something happened to them growing up. And they blame God. Well, if God is so loving and God is so good, why did this happen to me? If God is so good, why did my, why did my sister have to die when I was young? If, why did my mom have to die? Why did this have to... What is, and, and they're angry at God. And so what the anger does is it begins to harden their heart against him. Notice how Jesus responds. Look at verse 25. But Jesus knew their thoughts. Now... Before we go on, I wonder if Jesus really knew what they were thinking, which I believe could be supernatural, or were they just speaking where Jesus go, oh, yeah, this is what you guys are thinking. You're talking amongst yourself. And you go, why? Because what did he say to them? Notice what he said. He said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? You guys see that? You see that right there? Very, 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 very important. Why? There are times when you, God will give you, I believe, divine spiritual insight as you deal with people. Right here. This is just logic. The Lord is just logical. He's just, this is, you go, what do you mean? Well, it's a logical observation. He says, guys, really? Can I present to you? He's probably doing, this is my way of doing it. Can I present to you Captain Obvious? You go, what do you mean? He says, if Satan casts out Satan, he's going to divide. And they're going to be, he's going to be fighting over himself. I mean, come on, guys. Seriously, this is what you think? There are times, guys, there are times when I believe 
that there are divine inspirational, boom, God gives it to you. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's, it's unbelievable. And then there are times when I think it's just logical. You know the word of God. You go, no, <laughs> this is what God's word says. This is what Jesus does. This is what he does. And then he goes on to say, by the way, verse 27, if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, he says, by whom do your sons cast them out? Do you guys see that? Very important. Go ahead and underline it and I'll get back to it. He says, therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, surely the kingdom has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods? Unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. Now remember, Jesus is having a dialogue with the Pharisees, but he says something very, very interesting. You go, what's that? Here's something you should know. What's that? He says, if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, he says, by whom do your sons cast them out? And you go, what's he talking about? What you need to understand is the sons of the Pharisees had a ministry where they would go out and cast out demons. So if you had a son, he would be in the ministry. He said, my dad's a Pharisee. He's a religious guy. I'm in this group. And they would go around casting out demons. The Lord points out, he goes, hey, by the way, if I'm casting out by Satan, what are your sons? How are they casting them out? And then he says this very interesting. He says, therefore, they're gonna, they'll be your judges. He's like, look, you're going to condemn them as well. He says, but, but if I cast them out by, notice, the Spirit of God, he says, surely the kingdom of God has come. Now, remember, what's he trying to do? Jesus isn't mad at the Pharisees. He wants to win them to God. Understand that, okay? We don't need to be angry at the religious people. Our hearts should be, I need to win them to Jesus. Okay, sometimes we get in that, we get in that camp, don't we? We get in the camp, it's like, well, they're really, I don't like them. They're awful. Oh, the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes. And, and the Lord's like, no, listen, his heart, for God so loved who? The world. So he loves the Pharisees. And that's, the, that's, that's good news because if you're super religious here but you don't know God, God loves you. And he wants to bring you into a beautiful relationship. And he says, here's the kingdom. Here's the kingdom. Okay? He says, the kingdom of God is here. And I think that's a beautiful statement now. For us, in 2021, going into 2022, the kingdom of God is here. It's here. He's, he is, I can't, guys, he is presenting himself all the time saying, I'm here. I'm here. But let me give you the most practical way. The most practical way. Study your Bible. You go, what do you mean? The Lord Jesus said, the Lord Jesus said that prior to the tribulation, either right before or right after, that there was going to be a war in Israel. And it was going to involve Russia, Germany, Iran, all of these people here. Is gonna, and, and you go, well, I don't see that in the news. It's not in the news, but you realize that they're already forming a coalition to attack Israel. That validates the word of God. But not only that, not only that, I was reading my one-year Bible the other morning. And I was, we're in Revelation, we're almost done, we're in Revelation, 
and it talked about the one-third of the seas and the fish and all that in the ocean being destroyed. And I had in my Bible there, I, had, I have a question mark. I put volcano question mark. One of the things that we don't realize is that there are underwater volcanoes that could easily erupt and destroy the world. You understand that, right? So I got on my phone and I looked, what is the largest underwater volcano? And you know what? There is the one of the one that is, I, I, I think it was 10 times bigger than the Eiffel Tower. I mean, it's, that's, that be underwater, it could go off at any moment. You see, we don't do this, but I'm going, here's what the word of God says. Not only is it supernatural and divine, but it's also very practical. And then we got to talking about tsunamis. Think about a tsunami if we had an underwater earthquake or volcano. Not only that, it says, but I saw a star falling from the sky. And we talk about meteors. And he says it's wormwood. And I looked it up and I'm just like that. This, here's the point. The point is the word of God is true. What Jesus is saying is the kingdom of God is here. And he's waiting for, he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. And the Bible tells us that there's coming a day when the last Gentile is going to say yes to him. He's going to say yes. And he says, okay, that's when I'm going to say, go get your bride and we're going to be out of here. So if you're sitting here going, well, you know what? I remember 88 reasons why Jesus was supposed to come back in 1988 and he didn't come back. And now we're 2021. Ah, he's, he's patient. Because some of you didn't get saved until after 88. Can you imagine that? Some of you weren't even born in 88. How could you be saved? But he's merciful and he's saying, I want now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do very practically. I want you to think of that person that you want to, to see saved. It could be a brother. It could be a sister. It could be somebody. You, you go, man, I, I want to see him saved. I want to see them saved. Right now, you, you got that one? You go, man, that's the one. That's the one I've been praying for so much. I want to see him saved. If Jesus were to come back today, would they be saved? So, Lord, I'm okay with, I'm okay with you coming in 2022, but if you want to wait because you see a lot of our friends and our relatives get saved and I'm okay with that too. Because what did Paul tell us? Paul said, for, it, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And what he's saying is, okay, when I, go to, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I win. But while I'm here, we need to work. For me to live is Christ. What would Christ want me to do? I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to love on people. All that he wants me to do. I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to do all of that. And it's almost like the Pharisees had this bewildered look because he goes on to illustrate it. Don't you see? He says, by the way, let me illustrate it this way. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man? Isn't that true? Isn't that true? I mean, it's so practical. Okay? Let me, I'm going to use Soph as an illustration because Soph is probably the strongest guy I know. He's like, you cannot beat him in armor. You just can't. You just can't. I don't care who it is. He's just. He's just strong. The word of God just said to me, if I was going to go to Soph's house and rob him, I would have to bind him. I'd have to go in. I'd have to. <laughs> you don't understand. You don't understand. We have a video of about 10 of us trying to throw Soph in the pool. And he was finding us. I got out of there. I said, I ain't part of that. Mm-mm. And they threw him in the pool. And none of them are here today. I'm just kidding. 
what does the Lord say? He says, listen, for who is powerful enough to enter Soph's house and plunder his goods? He says, only someone what? You know, you, know who could, you know who could probably do that? His dad. Nobody else. You see the point Jesus is trying to make. You see what he's trying to make. You go, what do you mean? He's saying, listen, Jesus said in this illustration to assert that he has already defeated Satan. He's the strong, that Satan's the strong man, which can, what, is why he can expel demons and plunder the house. He says, only somebody stronger goes, hello, that's me. I'm not doing it by Satan. I'm doing it by the power of God. It's so practical, the word of God. When you read it, you go, whoa. And so as we come to verse 30, jot this down. Here's what I want you to see. You can't be neutral. You can't be neutral. This is a crucial moment that Jesus speaks of. Notice what he says. He who is not, what, with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. What's he saying, guys? Listen. If you are not following Jesus, if you are not a believer of him, you're against him. I am not. I'm neutral. There's no neutral. The Lord said, you need to come. You need to come. Wow. Remember what he just said. He said, listen, this is the strong man. He says all of this stuff. He says, listen, the kingdom of God is here. And he looks at me and he says, listen, if you're not with me, you guys are against me. And if you're not gathering with me, And so right now, it was probably very quiet in the room. Because the Pharisees are struggling what to say. And then he says something that I believe is a very crucial moment for people. You go, what's that? Look at verse 31. He says, therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven of men. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Okay? So very, 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 very important verse. You go, wow, yeah, I've heard of this. It's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what to do. Most people will call it the unpardonable sin. Every sin you commit is going to be forgiven if you bring it to Christ. Lord, forgive me. And you're in Christ. There's only one that the Lord says, I cannot forgive. And you go, wow. Uh, have I done it? And we worry about this. But let me see. Guys, there's good news. Don't worry about this. And I'll tell you why. Because the word blasphemy means to insult. To insult. Okay? So in context, he's saying, when we insult the work of the Holy Spirit, how do you insult the work of the Holy Spirit? Two ways. Contextually, by what? By giving credit to Satan for something God is doing. That's an insult. You cast out demons by Satan? No, 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 no. You're, you're, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit work has a great work. You cannot and should not. It's dangerous territory when you insult the Holy Spirit by attributing his work to Satan. Everybody got it? You go, okay, I get that. Contextually, that's what they're doing. 
But there's another way. There's another way. The Holy Spirit's job is to lead us to Christ. That's his ministry. He woos you. He talks to you. He says, hey, this is where you are. This is real. And what you end up doing, you're going, that is so true. And that's why so many of you are saved. You gave your life to God. You said yes to Jesus. That was the wooing of the Holy Spirit. When you insult the Holy Spirit is when he says, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to woo you, I want to I minister to you, I want to help you. And you go, no thank you, 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 I don't believe, no thank you, no thank you. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit's work. God can't forgive you if you don't come to him. He's not going to... Um, push his way he's not going to just he says listen here's the deal here's my salvation here's this great plan but it's up to you to come no thank you no thank you listen to what Ryrie uh, the commentator Ryrie says about this quote technically according to the scribes blasphemy involved direct and explicit abuse of the divine name that's what we talked about Jesus here teaches that it also be a reviling of God by attributing, okay, to the Spirit's work to Satan, end quote. So, Ryrie, you got it right. Now, listen, listen. Here is also a point of no return. As the Holy Spirit begins to move in your heart, whether it be uh, one-on-one through uh, the teaching of the Word of God, and we resist... The prompting. And you guys know this. How many people have you talked to? Maybe it happened to you. The pastor gives an invitation, says, hey, how many of you want to give your life to the Lord? And you go, man, I don't know what happened. I raised, I was just like, I need to do this. And, and, and there's times that you fight it. You're like, Lord, I don't know if you're talking to me. Next thing you know, you're up front giving your life to God crying. And you're just like, what happened? That's the Holy Spirit. But when we sit there and we go, no, 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 no. It's a V1 moment. It's the point of no return when you go, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Now, here's the good news, guys. Here's the good news. The fact that you're sitting in church, open to the things of God, is probably a good indication that you haven't blasphemed the Holy Spirit. You're open to the word of God. You're open to God. Even if you're on the believer and you're still here, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm still here in church. I'm not, I'm not bothered to go to church. It's when you get to the point where you go, "Mm -mm. I want nothing to do with God. I believe that you can get to the place where there's no return. There's no return. Charles Spurgeon once said, and I quote, it's a well-known truth that God has great long-suffering but there is a point beyond which even his long-suffering will not go, end quote. I'm like, wow. Wow. See, the Lord just told us, the Lord just told us that we cannot be neutral. And you'll have a lot of people, maybe you're watching online, whatever it might be, but you'll have a lot of people go, no, nah, I'm neutral. I'm not going to make a decision. I, I just don't, I don't know. But you realize that your non-decision is a decision because he just said that if you're not with me, you're against me. People don't realize that if they're not a follower of Jesus Christ, they're actually against God. 
and he'll, they'll, they'll argue with you. I have nothing against God. I'm, God is God. If you believe, great for you. If you need a crutch, I'm just trying to get through the day. I'm just trying to get my paycheck. I mean, whatever it might be. But they realize this is it. And again, here's the thing. Every non-decision is a decision. Here's my encouragement to you. Guys, always ask if they want to give their life to God. Some of you have the greatest gift of evangelism and they'll be and you'll have people shaking their head and we won't go in for the close if you will we should always ask for a decision do you want to give your life to god today do you do you, are you ready you know that's we should always because no decision if we just leave it well ben it's up to them it's up to but i always want to ask Isn't that how we get invited to parties? Somebody asks us to come to a party? We get an invitation. Why don't we give an invitation to those that want to give their lives to Jesus? It's an invitation. It's an invitation. Now, I want to hit this point home real quick. And you guys know the story if you grew up in church at all. But let let me illustrate it biblically. Do you guys remember Pharaoh in the Ten Commandments? Do you remember Pharaoh? Okay. The Bible says that Moses would go to Pharaoh and say, hey, let my people go. And the Bible says that he, he would say, oh, okay, uh, you, you can go. And then it, the Bible says that he would harden his heart. Remember? He'd be like, no, you can't go. And over and over it says that he hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. Until we get to that, faith, that, that faithful verse that says, and God hardened his heart. And you go, What? Yeah, that's exactly it, okay? It got to the point where Pharaoh's heart was so hard that God actually agreed with him and said, okay. Okay. And it was the point of no return. And there wasn't anything, and you guys realize, you guys realize that all the Egyptians drowned in the Red Sea I mean, you realize there was no, there was a point of no return. And I believe that there are times when, as an unbeliever, we can harden our heart and 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 harden our heart. And eventually God goes, okay. And it's a crucial moment. And he's trying to reach the Pharisees. Notice what he says, verse 32. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven, either this age or the age to come. Either make, notice what he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. Why? For a tree is known by his fruit. He's going, listen, here's the deal. You can, you can say all you want about me, but when you start to insult the work of the Holy Spirit as he draws you to salvation, you could be at a crucial moment. Notice what Jesus says next. It's going to get even more intense. Notice what he turns around in verse 34. What does he say? He says, brood of vipers. You know what that means? That means children of snakes, you offspring of snakes. He's just calling the Pharisees snakes, you brood of vipers. He says, how can you... Now, why would he call them? That's pretty intense. Why would Jesus call them? Because, because being separated from God for eternity is intense. 
And Jesus knows the importance of that. And he's like, you're keeping them, you're keeping people from coming to God. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? Here's why. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you guys remember? When we see God doing something amazing and blessings, God reveals my heart to me. Out of the abundance of the heart, this is what's going to say. I'm either going to say, man, praise God, he's amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. I don't know if you know this or you follow Tiffany. Tiffany, I'm going to use you if that's okay. Tiffany posted that she made the dean's list. I think that's awesome. Okay? And it's a good accomplishment. But what it does, as she posted that, it's going to reveal your heart. You go, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. You either go, well, I don't like Tiffany and the dean's list. And well, of course she's made to Adam and the That could be our heart. Or we could say, wow, praise God. She worked hard. Amen. I'm going to pray for I'm going to pray for you. You, you understand. I've just used that as an illustration because she, she posted that. It's the truth. But you understand when somebody comes and they just have a great, uh, something great happen to them, what's our response? And that's what scares me because I want my heart. I want my heart to be a heart after Christ, not a heart of negative. Well, I, And that's how we get. Well, why do they get a big house? Or why do they have a nice car? Why do they do this? And I'm getting... Sometimes it's not even when it's good. You go, what do you mean? I remember when my wife was diagnosed with cancer. And I know my wife loves God. And I know she serves God. And you know what my heart revealed? Why, why my wife? Okay. I'm going to show the sinfulness of your pastor, Okay. But I remember thinking, there's other women out there who aren't serving you, Lord. Why, are they, why, why, why aren't they sick? They're blaspheming you. They're, uh, and the Lord's like, really? And that, that was conviction. It was conviction. I want my heart to rejoice. Even if it is not a great, a great thing. Oh. Now, here's the good news, right? Where are we? Where do we stop? Brood of vipers. For out of the abundance, he says, right? He says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the, tr- out of the good treasure of his heart speaks, but a, uh, brings forth things. And evil men out of the evil treasure bring forth things. But I say to you, notice, every idle word that men speak, they will be given an account in the day of judgment. Now, here's what I love. I love the fact that good news, if you're a believer, that slate has been wiped clean, okay? Because I don't think we all want to stand and say uh, every idle word. You go, Ben, I really watch my mouth, but what do we think? What do we think? But thank God for Christ and his mercy, amen? Verse 37, for your words... Will, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Here's what he's saying. Since the words express a heart, good words demonstrate a good heart, and bad words, a bad heart. That's what he's saying. That's why we use the term, we give our heart to Jesus. To Jesus. 
He says in verse 38, some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And I just, this cracks me up. And you go, why? Because they've been following him all along. They just saw him last week with the withered hand in the, right, in the synagogue. They've, they've watched him do, I mean, tons of miracles. And they, it's like they raised their hand in school, right? Teacher, can we show us a sign? Come on, come, guys, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. You ready? They follow Jesus everywhere. They see him feed the 5,000. They've seen him do miracles. They've seen him uh, answer prayers. Can I get an amen? They've seen him heal the, the withered hand in the synagogue. They've seen him do all kinds of stuff. And they still ask, can I see a sign? You guys with me? Is that silly? That's us. Did you get it? That's us. See? Why? Because God has done so many things in our lives, and I'm probably the first one. Well, God, is that you? Is that you? Show me a sign, God. Is that Do you really want to do this? And the Does he not? Hence the importance of keeping just a really good prayer journal so that when you begin to doubt a little bit, you can go back and say, no, 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 here's where God answered prayer. Here's where God did this. Oh, here's where God moved. Oh, look at that. I, re- I forgot about that one. I forgot about that one. Can I, can I use this illustration real quick? Last night I was going through my phone and, and uh, I was looking at all the pictures of when my grandbaby, my, my granddaughter was little, all from when she was born. And oh, there she was, Grandpa. There she 15, 16, 17, 18. And it's just... It's the same thing with the prayer journal. When you see God, you're just like, I remember when God moved there. I remember when God did this. Remember, and it helps us, guys, so that we don't ask that question. But nonetheless, notice what he says. They ask for a sign. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, guys, an evil and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign. No sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So now he's going to tell us a story. He's going to tell us a story, right? It's the story of Jonah. You know that. You remember Jonah? Question for you, real quick. Question. Brrr. Jonah decided to go uh, a run away from God, and he ended up in a boat, and then there was a great wind, a great storm. He goes, oh, I don't know what to do. And they say, he goes, throw me over. So finally, the guys said, okay, we, we can't die. Jonah, you're going to have to die. So he throws him over. What happens next? He gets swallowed by a big fish. Some people would say that was judgment. You guys are tracking with me. You track. I just want to. I want to give you something to chew on at, at at lunch today. Here's what I want you to see: Was the judgment the fish, or was it actually the water? And the fish was actually the salvation of the Lord. Everybody goes, yeah, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in the belly of a big fish. And I say, praise God, that's how you got saved. Something to think about. Let's go on or we'll be here. For Jonah was what? And here's your sign. Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. So will the son of man, notice what he calls himself, the Messiah, be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah 
And indeed, one is greater than Jonah here. Can you guys see that? He's like, guys, listen. One is greater than, I, here's what you got to see. Ninevites repented and you're not repenting. You want another sign? Hey, do you guys remember the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, where she came to Solomon? She says, the queen of the south will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. Why? For she came to the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater as Solomon is here. What's he saying? Think about this. Right now, right now, as you give your life to the Lord and you attest to God and, you're, and you witness to God, that's what he's saying. He's telling, the, he's telling the, the, the Pharisees, he's saying, look, you're not hearing the message. You're not hearing the message. So I have two stories, two stories that are positive. What are they? The Ninevites repented. They heard, you, you guys, you, do, you, do you know how deep Jonah's message was theologically? He just said, 40 days and you're going to be destroyed. And everybody said, oh my God, Jesus. Nowadays, we go witness to somebody and we have to, okay, theologically, you have to do this. It's like, what happened to that? Just, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Now, check this out. Look at this story, verse 43. And when an unclean spirit goes out of the man, he goes to dry places, seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house for which I came. And when he comes, he finds an empty swept put in order. Then he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. Here's the third story. He's going, guys, I just cast out a demon, right? And he says, here's the deal. Here's the deal, okay? He's saying, this generation is going to be like, while I'm casting out demons, I'm showing you the power and I'm showing you the light and I'm removing darkness and you're rejecting it. Which means when I'm gone, it's going to be worse. It's going to be worse. What I learned about this, if you realize, is that demons don't like to be unembodied. So, you cast out a demon. If you don't put in that house, the Lord Jesus, it's clean. And that demon goes around, he goes around, and he says, oh, wait, I'm going to go back to that house because it's clean. Then seven more, more wicked than me, and then we're going to live in that house. First of all, If you are a Christian, you cannot be possessed by the devil. You cannot. You can be harassed, but you cannot be. Somebody, oh, the devil made me do it. No, if you are a believer, the Holy Spirit living inside you, that's who's in your house. And when the enemy comes knocking at your door, let the Holy Spirit answer. There you go, Lord. There you go. There you go. But here's a point I want to make, okay? I want to make this point. I want you to notice that this is key because there are some people today that goes, listen, I'm not ready to give my life to the Lord, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to straighten out my own life. I'm going to go through rehab. I'm going to, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop doing drugs. I'm going to start living right. I'm going to put my own house in order. And here's what he says about that mindset. He says, 
the devil, the enemy, the demons go and take seven spirits more wicked than himself and they come back. And he says, and it's actually worse than what you had before. So what's he saying? What's he saying? We cannot get to heaven by our own works. So many people will say, I'm going to clean myself up and then I'll come to God. I'm going to get my, let me get my life straight and then I'll give my life to Jesus. Let me just get things straight. You never will. Do it today and then let him do the work. Do it today. Okay, God, I give you my life. If we don't fill the house with Jesus, we're in big trouble. Because only Jesus can fill the house and stop it from being overtaken in the demonic realm that has begun to influence in that life. Okay, got to hurry. Let's close with the last five verses. Now, don't put your Bibles away. Every time I say I close, everybody's like, zip, 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 zip. not yet. We still, got, we still got a few verses. Check this out. While he was still talking, okay, to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brother stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. Now, here's what I want you to see. Do you realize at this point, this brothers thought Jesus was nuts, crazy. They didn't believe in him. And so they realized, oh, babe, our brothers just, eat, eat, right? So what are they trying to do? Here, jot this down. They're trying to stage an intervention. This is an intervention. Mary knows what's going on because she, she knows the whole Holy Spirit thing, right? Which we're going to celebrate in a few days. Mary knows, but I suppose she was just kind of traveling with the family. But they go, hey, Jesus, yes, your, your mom is outside and your brothers are outside and, and they want to speak with you. And Jesus is like, but he answered and he said to the one, he said, question, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Now, he wasn't being ugly. He wasn't going, I don't know who you're talking about. But he looks at the people and he says, hey, um, he stretched out his hand towards disciples and he said to you, you ready? He said, here are my mother and here are my brothers. We go, Ben, what was this for? He says, here's the thing. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Okay, so what's he saying? He's saying this relationship right here is greater. Is greater. Amazing. So he gives us stories. He gives us stories. He gives us stories of negative. He gives us stories of neutral. He gives us stories of positive. And he's just trying to get us to the place where he realized, are you, are you his disciple? Are you his disciple? My prayer for you, every one of us, is that we're not at the place of no return. We haven't hardened our hearts. We say, no, no, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. If you're here today and you've given your life to the Lord, then I would, I would encourage you to take the next step. What's the next step? Be a disciple. Be a disciple. Completely be sold out 100% to Jesus. No holds barred. I love him. I'm going to follow him all the days of my life. I'm not going to play church. I'm going to follow Jesus. Can I encourage you to do that? What does that mean? What does that look like? It looks like it looks like everything belongs to Jesus in your life. Your finances, your life, your goals, all of it belongs to the Lord. 
It's all, it's all the Lord's. I'm going to be a disciple. If you're here today and you've backslidden, you could honestly say with all of your heart, Pastor Ben, um, I'm not sure if I'm right with God. I know that I, I had given my life to him. I'd given my life to him, but right now I'm not really walking with him, and I feel like I'm actually walking away from him. And you said some things in here today, and man, to be honest with you, some lights were going off, and I say praise God because that's the Holy Spirit. And he's wooing you back, and he's saying, would you do me a favor today? Would you come back to me? Would you come back to me? Would you open up your heart and say yes? And then maybe, maybe there's somebody here, maybe there's somebody watching and uh, they're unbelievers. They're unbelievers. And, and, and here's how God is so amazing. They're unbelievers and they're flipping through Facebook and they see us. And, and the Holy Spirit says, watch this guy. Watch him, watch him. You need to listen, watch him. And he's sitting there and you're watching right now and you don't even know who we are. And the Lord starts to prompt your heart. You say, yeah, I want to be invited. I want to give my life to Jesus. What a testimony you'd have. I was flipping through Facebook and I got saved. Amen. (laughs) But don't harden your heart any longer. Don't blaspheme God's beautiful work in coming to Christ. You won't regret it. Can I get an amen? amen? You won't regret giving your life to Jesus. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And let me just say this. If you're here today, God brought you here. He knows he brought you here. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being God. We truly acknowledge and love you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the beautiful work that you do bringing us to Christ. Thank you for showing us the sinfulness of our heart and the need for Jesus. With every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I, I want to come back to Jesus. I, I surrender completely. And what I want you to do is just simply lift up your hand where nobody, you're just going, I, I'm going to recommit my life to God today. I'm going to recommit my life. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you just do that right now? It's between you and the Lord, but, but I, I want to make sure that you're not at the point of no return and that, and that you hadn't backslid into the place where, where you don't want the Lord to be Lord of your life. Would you do that for me? Just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. Just lift up your hand if, if, if you're ready to come back to Jesus. And of course, if you're watching online, I can't see you, so just lift up your hand. God can see you. If you're here today, honestly, and you've never given your life to God, you're not a believer, but you want to be, and you feel like you're a million miles away, let me just say this. You're one decision this morning for coming to him. Would you make that decision with me? Would you say, yeah, I'm going to give my life to Jesus? How do I do that, Ben? Would you lift up your hand? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I want God right now. Would you do that? Just want to make sure. Just want to make sure that you're in a right relationship with God. Oh, we thank you, Lord. If you are not, all you have to do is come back to God. Say, Lord, 
I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry I walked away from you. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I recommit my life to you. I love you. I love you. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, man, we're just so glad. God's going to do a big work. Trust him. Trust him. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.